Kia ora and welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by an educational grant from Eli Lilly. I'm Dr. Louise Kugler, a specialist GP, and today I welcome Dr. Rinky Murphy to discuss the new diabetes guidelines in adults and specifically a case-based discussion around trulicity or dulaglutide as this has become available on special authority in New Zealand and adds a new tool to our prescribing toolbox. This is part two of a two-part series, so if you haven't listened to part one, may I encourage you to go back and do this as we discuss the specific guidelines, GLP-1 receptor agonists generally, and specifically Trulicity. So Rinky is a diabetes physician at Auckland District Health Board and Counties Manukau Health. She is the Associate Professor in Medicine at the University of Auckland and Principal Investigator at the Morris Wilkins Centre for Biodiscovery. Welcome, Rinky. So Rinky, we're discussing a case of Harry. Harry is a 64-year-old truck driver. He's an ex-smoker with a body mass index of 34 kilograms meters square and a five-year history of type 2 diabetes. His blood pressure currently is 135 on 90. His HbA1c is 58 millimoles per mole. He has increased lipids, normal renal function, and no microalbuminemia. His medications, Galvumet, one tablet BD, glipicide, 10 milligrams BD, and a torvostatin, 20 milligrams Nocte. He has tried to lose weight and does not wish for bariatric surgery. We've calculated his five-year CVD risk to 20%. So Rinky, treating to target to minimize diabetic complications and maximize longevity should always be our aim, assuming our patients are open to this. How do you think Carrie's care team are doing so far? Kia ora, Louise. Um, this case is, shows that he is at high cardiovascular disease risk, and it's great to see that he is an ex-smoker, and he is already on a statin medication. The next medication required for cardiovascular risk reduction in people with type 2 diabetes is an SGLT2 inhibitor or a GLP-1 receptor agonist. He is being monitored for microalbuminuria, and clearly, if he was to develop this, the next step would be to uh, select an SGLT2 inhibitor and add an ACE inhibitor, um, aiming for a systolic blood pressure of under 130. At the moment, his HbA1c is a little above target at 58 millimoles per mole. So adding either an SGLT2 inhibitor or a GLP-1 receptor agonist would easily achieve that. So thinking of optimizing his management, um, lifestyle-wise, it's really tricky. But what are your top tips for optimizing diet and lifestyle medicine? So any opportunities to increase physical activity, it would be really useful, um, making sure that he has been referred to green prescription or any other activities that he is able to, uh, to engage uh, in outside of his work as a truck driver. And assisting with uh, food diaries, referring to a dietitian who can really engage to to try and look at those food items that can be swapped or replaced, um, being prepared with uh, home prepared meals would always be better than, um, uh, than bought meals and also trying to reduce the snacking. So ultimately having that um, attention to dietary factors, particularly sugary sweet beverages, would be really useful to make sure that these are as good as we can 
achieve? So looking at his current regime, is there anything we could do to optimise this? Yeah, so I would discuss with him the two options of either adding on an SGLT2 inhibitor, in which case he's likely to no longer need the glipizide. And so he would be on Galvumet and Jardiance both as tablets. The second option would be to add on a uh, GLP-1 receptor agonist as a funded treatment would be once weekly trulicity. In this case, we would be replacing the vildagliptin component of his Galvumet. So he would continue with metformin alone and likely half dose of glipizide plus the once weekly GLP-1 receptor agonist. We would discuss the risks and benefits or the side effect profile of each of those options. So with the SGLT2 inhibitors, there would be um, the risk of um, thrush, particularly genitourinary aspects and the need for perineal hygiene measures to try and reduce that. There would also be the, the proviso of needing to stop this before any elective surgery or at least on the day of procedures like colonoscopy and so forth. Um, this very small risk of euglycemic ketoacidosis with the SGLT2 inhibitors and not adopting a ketogenic diet whilst on that. The um, GLP-1 receptor agonist in contrast would potentially have high prevalence of nausea, at least at the start. It would be an injectable, but all the um, discussion around the ease of use and the very fine um, hair-like needle and the auto-injector making it a very almost painless um, procedure and the lack of hypos with both um, options of SGLT2 or GLP-1 receptor agonist, um, particularly with reduction in dose of the uh, glipizide component of his current therapies. The benefits on weight would be slightly greater on the GLP-1 receptor agonist than the oral SGLT2 inhibitor, um, but both agents would have no hypos on their own. And it would really just be a matter of um, reducing the glipizide with the GLP-1 receptor agonist and almost certainly stopping it with the add-on SGLT2 inhibitor option. I would suggest that he, he does more frequent capillary glucose checks um, initially when um, changing his therapy and to report any hypos promptly, particularly with his occupation and um, certainly with replacing the glipizide this wouldn't be expected. There'd be no hypoglycemia to expect. Uh, so Rinky, if we were to add a new medication, what medication would it be and why would you choose that medication, please? So in terms of cardiovascular disease uh, risk reduction, um, both an SGLT2 inhibitor and a GLP-1 receptor agonist have um, similar reductions in cardiovascular disease benefits. So there is not much to choose from between the two, and I would um, discuss either option. It's likely that given Harry's truck driving occupation, he may prefer to be on Galvumet and Jardiance, which is the triple therapy of uh, a DPP-4 inhibitor, um, metformin, and an SGLT2 inhibitor. That with the um, combination pills means that he's taking the least number of tablets daily with a simpler regimen. Equally, though, if he was happy taking once weekly GLP-1 receptor agonist, and in this case, he would have to switch from Galvumet to metformin alone, um, the dual therapy may be sufficient to get him to target. If not, um, 
either the glipizide may need to be added at his three-month HbA1c check if he doesn't achieve target. So um, it's really a question around side effects uh, as to which uh, regimen he would prefer, particularly with um, the early nausea that's likely to go away with time uh, in return for greater weight loss with the GLP-1 receptor agonist option, or the modest amount of weight loss with the SGLT2 inhibitor of around 3 kgs relative to about 5 kgs on the GLP-1 receptor agonist, but with the potential for genitourinary side effects and the need to report any such side effects um, promptly and avoid a ketogenic diet or any other uh, instances where there's prolonged fasting, you would need to stop the Jardians in those circumstances. So thinking about the practicality of doing this, do we need to titrate down existing medications and up titrate the new ones? How do we do this, Rinky? Yeah, so if we were um, selecting um, adding Jardiance, then he could just continue with the Galvumet and the Jardiance would be added on top. Given this triple uh, combination does not cause hypoglycemia, he wouldn't need to titrate uh, either of his um, background medications other than just replace the glipizide. Um, sorry, so the glipizide would not be required as he would that part would be replaced with the Jardiance. Given his HbA1c is near target at 58, I would try that approach rather than um, halving the dose of glipizide on the offside that it caused hypoglycemia with his occupation of being a truck driver. My preference would be to add half dose in later if his three-month HbA1c was not at target on the full dose um, of Jardiance after this was increased from the initial 10 milligrams to 25. The second option of adding on a GLP-1 receptor agonist, um, I would um, switch the galvumet over to metformin alone, um, just because of the fact that the GLP-1 receptor agonist is acting on the same pathway as the galvus. And then I would continue with the metformin alone with uh, the once-weekly trulicity, or in the first instance, it would be fortnightly if he were to get significant nausea and moving towards a um, weekly dose of trulicity. Uh, I would then reintroduce half dose of glipizide if he needed it for HbA1c lowering and um, expect to achieve target HbA1c in time um, rather than in his case risk early hypoglycemia when he is a truck driver and aiming for um, safe driving. You mentioned hypoglycemia with his occupation. So what monitoring do we need to do when we're changing medications? So if he is reducing his potential for hypoglycemia by substituting the glipizide with Jardiance, then he doesn't need to do uh, additional monitoring for hypoglycemia purposes. And rather, it would be really to inform uh, additional medications should his HbA1c not reach target as to um, which of the meals, if morning or evening, requires the additional sulfonylurea, for example. And particularly with um, his GLP-1 receptor, and the same would go for the GLP-1 receptor agonist plus metformin option, he would not need to do additional um, blood glucose monitoring for the purposes of hypoglycemia, and rather it would be um, just before his next or after his next HbA1c to inform 
whether or not he needed additional medications and where to introduce those. And what benefits could we expect to see with Harry? Yeah, so um, he would see the impact on weight uh, and potentially over time there'd be a delay in needing escalation of therapies with um, insulin and he may see a lowering of um, modest lowering of blood pressure with the SGLT2 inhibitor and he may well see if he were to have um, uh, developed microalbuminuria that this would be delayed um, by being on um, particularly an SGLT2 inhibitor and very likely uh, with emerging data from the GLP-1 receptor agonists. So the, the most palpable um, improvement would be the weight and he would potentially see that quite quickly in the first three months of using these medications. So Rinki, just imagining that our case was a little bit different and when we first met Harry, he was already taking insulin. How would that change things as far as adding a new agent in and would we need to stop the insulin? Yes, yeah, so if he was already taking insulin, the next consideration is what is his HbA1c? So if he was just a little above target at 58, then um, by adding in either an SGLT2 inhibitor or a GLP-1 receptor agonist, um, I would reduce the background insulin by about 20%. Should he have had an EGFR in the range of 30 to 45, then if I were to add an SGLT2 inhibitor, I wouldn't reduce the background insulin because the glucose lowering impact of an SGLT2 inhibitor is related to having adequate renal function. So in people who have impaired renal function, then I'm adding in the SGLT2 inhibitor just for the renal protective benefits and expecting very limited HbA1c lowering. In his case, he's got adequate renal function, so um, it would really be insulin, background insulin reduction to avoid hypoglycemia. So in the order of about 20% with an HbA1c of 58. And if we were to fast forward a decade now, and Harry's 74 years old, he was on his metformin, glipizide, trelicity, and lantus insulin. His weight had increased, and he now had a BMI of 40 his HbA1c had also increased to 70 and his renal function had deteriorated and he's now has CKD2. He's also got AF and heart failure. What would we need to do now? How does this change things? Goodness, well, if he's got heart failure as, um, as well and he's got impaired renal function, we need to add in an SGLT2 inhibitor because this class of agents has been shown to reduce mortality from heart failure and reduce at hospital admissions with heart failure. So um, clearly um, we need to get this class of medication um, into his treatment regimen. And um, depending on whether he can self-fund one agent, um, ideally he should have SGLT2 inhibitor added into a therapy on top of the GLP-1 receptor agonist if he can self-fund this one. If not, I would switch his GLP-1 receptor agonist to funded SGLT2 inhibitors, and he would likely need to escalate the Lantus dose and or switch to premixed insulin depending on his home blood glucose monitoring measurements. With CKD2, we know that it will be a modest um, reduction in HbA1c lowering with the SGLT2 inhibitor, and so we wouldn't reduce his insulin when starting and most likely increase the dose, if not switch to a premax twice daily. And I'd ask him to do some blood glucose measurements around his before and 
after two, two hours after his main meals to inform that. Serenki, so I just wonder if you could clarify, um, you mentioned that he would need to self-fund medication. So obviously there's a special authority criteria that doesn't allow for both medications. So can you just talk us through that, please? Yes, so um, the key special authority criteria for SGLT2 inhibitors or GLP-1 receptor agonists contains a clause that um, you cannot be on both uh, funding for a GLP-1 receptor agonist and SGLT2 inhibitor, um, whichever one applies. So um, Harry clearly fulfills the criteria of having um, five-year cardiovascular risk above 15% and or a risk equivalent, uh, which, is his, which is heart failure. And so, um, and he fulfills the target uh, HbA1c of 53 not being reached despite the use of another agent for at least three months. He also has type 2 diabetes. So in order to have um, access to funded treatment, um, he will need to um, select one and self-fund the other. Or, you know, clearly if he can't do that, then the SGLT2 inhibitor would be a preference in, in the case of heart failure. Wonderful. Thank you for clarifying that. And to conclude our podcast today for our listeners, some take-home messages, please. Thanks. The the key take-home messages would be to assess all people with type 2 diabetes for a history of heart failure and consider prescribing an SGLT2 inhibitor as these reduce hospitalization and mortality from heart failure, um, as well as providing cardiorenal benefits generally. We expect a lower glucose-lowering response uh, from an SGLT2 inhibitor in somebody with a lower EGFR, but um, these still provide cardiorenal benefits and should be used for that reason. Uh, However, if an SGLT2 inhibitor is not indicated or not tolerated, then consider switching to a GLP-1 receptor agonist. It's important to start Trulicity at 1.5 milligrams approximately once fortnightly, Then after the first two doses, they may take um, 1.5 milligrams weekly. And um, it's important to discuss how to minimize nausea uh, with eating less and avoiding fatty foods to increase tolerance and aid weight loss. Wonderful. Thank you, Rinky, for your time today. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. If you're a New Zealand GP, you're able to claim CPD points for listening to this. So please log them. And you can find a list of resources used in formulating this podcast along with the data sheet for Trulicity on our website, goodfellowunit.org. Thanks for listening.